At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. I was a little surprised to see that the Steelers are underdogs in this game coming up on Sunday. I I understand why you could be surprised. However, it just seems that the league really does not favor the Steelers this year. I guess. And that's really telling, but <clears throat> excuse me. They open up you know, off of a bye week at home against the team that has the same amount of losses as they do. One more win. But they One didn't more have win, the, they, they didn't have, have their bye week. week so yeah. the Steelers can make up for that. Sure. But if you look, and we will probably in the second episode when we start to dip our toe in the Saints water a little bit more, at this New Orleans team, they're one of the weirdest case studies, I think, in the NFL. Matt Williamson, our colleague here on the Steelers, beautiful podcast network in SNR. Beautiful. We were talking about on the advanced scout last night how – you think the Saints, like if you did that silhouette thing for like, you know, March Madness, whenever they're trying to show like resumes against two teams and they just show like the stats and they black out right. who the team is. Team A is this, if team you, A is, or if TV you show that for the Saints, like they're top 15 in almost every category, except for a couple big ones that we'll get into later. You know, yards per game, they pass the ball well, they defend the pass really well, mm-hmm. they're not bad on defense as far as, you know, stopping total yardage. You would look at that and be like, that team's probably four and five. They might be five and four mm-hmm. if they got a break their way. Some it's just very bizarre to me that <clears throat> they are kind of struggling the way they are. And we'll try to, you know, pin some symptoms to it. But I think that's kind of why you see this line the way it is. Because I think they look at that kind of minutiae and they go, Oh, the Saints can move the ball down the field, you know. Despite the fact that they've had six losses and they give up points, they score some points themselves. They're not in the bottom of the league in that category. And we look at the Steelers, and that offense has just not proven to us yet that they can do anything sustainable to warrant, even at home, against a team with as many losses as you, to be a favorite. Yeah, I'm looking at this at the Saints schedule right now, because as you say, you know, numbers can be wherever they are. It's all about that final record. 
I, I don't know if I've found a more confounding team it's than weird, the Saints. Man. Really quickly, they beat the Falcons by one point in week one, right? And then they lose to the Bucks, which everyone expected. Then they lose to the Panthers in week three, which was, I mean, it's a, that's a bad loss anytime someone loses to the Panthers. The Steelers better not do that when they face off against Carolina in a couple of weeks from now. And then they lose a very close game to the Vikings, but as you've pointed out all year long, the Vikings just continue to win games uh, despite being in close games all year long. And then they beat the Seahawks. The Seahawks, who now are, what, 6-3? and three? Number one in the NFC West, atop, uh, atop the standings in the NFC Conference as a whole. They beat that team. And they lose to the Bengals. And they lose to the Cardinals. You beat the Raiders. Because the Raiders, as we know, aren't a great team, and then you lose to the Ravens at home. There's just no rhyme or reason. There's no consistency to it. And as you pointed out, Tom, if you look at the numbers on the the team, it's all over the place. Andy Dalton completing 65% of his passes. Like Andy Dalton's not having a horrible year. No, they put up some numbers, man. That's and that's, that's what I'm saying. But and then and but then you look at out the who should be their number one guy, Alvin Kamara, only 444 yards. Through the team's first, he touched nine the ball like twelve games. times against the Ravens on Monday Night Football. Yeah, very is... weird game plan for them, and they did just get absolutely suffocated. And that was with Michael Thomas officially going. I mean, he's been out, but for the first time all year that he was officially to the IR. If that happens, I would just say there's two people who should be getting the ball at least fifteen times per game, and that's Chris Olave, and that's uh, Alvin Kamara on the ground, right? Alvin Kamara. Kamara minimum 15 carries and then maybe a minimum 10 targets through the air. That guy, that guy should be priority number one for the offense. It's just, it's really weird. This team. It is really weird. This team and the approach they take to certain games, as you mentioned, against Baltimore on Monday night, a weird way to 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 attack that Baltimore defense. I will say this though. I think you can get tremendous value on the Steelers this week. I think that this is an air from Vegas. I Everything we just said, you kind of talk yourself into understanding why the Steelers are the underdog in this situation. But I think I would take these points and I would laugh all the way to the bank. Two and a half points means that they think that they're about five and a half, six mm-hmm. points better than the Steelers on a neutral field. That ain't the case. <clears throat> and you know why it ain't the case above all else? <laughs> this is beautiful. Read little tea leaves here. Okay, right? you want to read go. some tea leaves? Did you bring the tea leaves in, or did I? I don't know. Really, I, I just to? have my water bottle. Okay, so, so we don't have actual tea leaves. Jacob screwed up there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the Steelers just waved outside linebacker Ryan Anderson. Why would they wave an outside? Are you doing linebacker? a little Brian Windhorse? What's, what's <laughs> what? going on in Pittsburgh? <laughs> what's happening here? I'm leaning back in my chair right now, pointing both fingers to the air. What's happening here? I get a little bit of a sense <laughs> that an old familiar friend at that position might be returning this week against the Saints. And I also think that an old familiar friend has been sat out more than he wanted to. Absolutely. And therefore, as close to 100% as I think he can possibly be. I bet you he was probably at 100% so, in his mind, in his mind, a couple of weeks ago. So you might get rusty, TJ Watt, but you know what else you're going to get? You're going to get TJ Watt. Fresh TJ Watt yeah. in a week 10 but, where the Saints just played on a short week 
against one of the hardest hitting teams in the league, the Ravens, who just got an upgrade with Roquan Smith. That mm-hmm. offensive line, bro, mm-hmm. had to deal with the Ravens just yesterday or two days ago. Two days ago. You know, it's going to be six days before they have to go up against a fresh TJ Watt. It's a, you. You use the word rusty. That could happen. It's fine. I'll eliminate that word rusty. You get TJ Watt on the field. Again, that guy is a difference maker. That guy, we know we know who the Steelers are without him, right? They averaged a little over three, three sacks per game with him. They've averaged, I think, what, less than one sack per game without him this season. We know they've won one game without him since the start of last year, and that was a couple of weeks ago against Tampa Bay, a really bad Tampa Bay. That was a start of what their three-game, their current, or at the time was a three-game losing streak because they just lost to the Rams, or they just beat the Rams this past week. We know the, the Buccaneers, at, certainly at that point in the season, weren't a legitimate team. That offense wasn't clicking. One time, Tom, you've gotten a win without T.J. Watt on the field in the last two years. So this guy, whether it's sacking the quarterback, forcing fumbles, Getting interceptions, uh, passes deflected at the line of scrimmage, he can do it all. And any one of those splash plays, if you get one of those from T.J. Watt, you're saying that's one more than we would have gotten had he not been on the field. And I think you can pretty much bet that you're going to get at least a sack from him in this game. Right. So we mentioned he sat out for eight weeks on the sideline at home, seen. You know, players like Micah Parsons really mm-hmm. put their stamp eat. and yeah, put themselves eat. on top of the end. Like, he's sitting there thinking, I just won the defensive player of the year. And I don't think anybody's forgotten about TJ Watt, but, you know, the team's not been doing so well. So you don't even have that, like, national buzz of, like, well, the Steelers are four and five or four and four, and they're getting their superhero back soon because they kind of already know that the season's. You know, I think gone. some I think some people have because and this means absolutely nothing, but through like espn.com or si or, or nfl network, people were halfway through the season. So, let's grade the best position groups or let's grade the best individuals at a position and wh- whether you looked at pass rush or outside linebackers or as a as a as a as a unit or individual um edge defenders or edge rushers you didn't see T.G. Watt on any of those lists. So I legitimately think people mm. forgot. That can happen. You know? Because he's he hasn't played since week one, since before that game even ended. He didn't get to play the full game into overtime against against Cincinnati. So I actually disagree with you, Tom. I think that people have kind of forgotten that T.G. Watt is still around and will be coming back. And Dale Lawley and Matt Williamson were doing their power rankings last or just yesterday, and they were going off of ESPN's um, – List and ESPN had uh, Pittsburgh at 29, hmm. and Dale Lawley said that he thinks Pittsburgh's at, at least a top 20 team with TJ Watt when they're healthy. With TJ Watt, yeah, if he can stay healthy and if he's you know TJ Watt, which yeah, that sounds like a big jump. But when you look at the teams ahead of them, like you, you got the Saints or the Buccaneers or the Rams or the Packers, you're telling me if TJ Watt's on the field. I mean, he wasn't even on the field against the Buccaneers, and the Steelers were able to beat Tampa Bay. You're telling me if T.J. Watt's on the field, the Steelers aren't capable of beating right now those teams? Absolutely. I think absolutely they are. It's because of how much of an impact he has week by week individually. Yeah, I agree that he's an absolute game wrecker, and I think that there's multiple cases when you look back and hindsight on the first half of the season that 
you'd point to TJ Watt and say, man, I'd like to see him there to rattle Mac Jones's cage a couple of times. I'd like to see him in there to harass Zach Wilson a couple of times. And, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks, I think, just didn't feel the threat when they played the Steelers, that fear factor. Mm -hmm. And that goes a long way in the NFL. You know, just because you're not getting your stats doesn't mean that you're disrupting games and you're, you know, creating passes and quick throws where the timing patterns don't hit for the other team because they just feel your pressure coming constantly. And mm-hmm. even though you might not get home, you might blow up that left tackle really hard mm-hmm. and like have the quarterback out of the corner of his eye sees him kind of like dealing with just the superstar and he panics. And there was just no panic, I don't think, out of much no. of the quarterbacks. And you might have seen it kind of get better as the, you know, season moved forward. And it's kind of weird, like, they played Tom Brady so well, and they hit him a lot. Mm-hmm. And defensive line did a great job in that game. And uh, then you look at the way that they handled Tua, and I know he was coming off of a long hiatus with his concussion, but at the same time, they handled that Dolphins offense, which is a masterful offense. Yeah, if you ignore if you ignore those first what two drives by Miami, but that's fine. Like, yeah, that's great adjustment. You you held oh, him at sixteen. I absolutely. Mean, can't get much better than that in the modern NFL, especially with that offense that, that just offense. goes up and down the field. Right, on they teams. put up what thirty five in points? their own dojo. I mean, right. that was at their stadium. I mean, so they, they can do that any any given week. They so just... you've seen it get better, and I think that's natural because they've had more time to play together, figure things out without T.J. Watt and Gel. Now they're getting their guy back, and I right. think the person that's the most excited for getting T.J. Watt back is his name, Alex Highsmith. His name is Alex Highsmith. Very good job. I think Alex Highsmith could have a pretty big game today too, and or again, Sunday too. And again, I think it has nothing to do with the production that you can get out of T.J. Watt. It just has to do with the presence of T.J. Watt, right? I mean, you saw Alex Highsmith have his best day of his career, Week One, when T.J. Watt was fully healthy for sure. But now with T.J. Watt back out there, as you said, New Orleans, I think right now, has only one priority for this for this week, for, for the game plan against the Steelers. It's how do we slow down? How do we neutralize T.J. Watt? And Alex Highsmith has to love that because Alex Highsmith won't be on any of their— won't won't be the headline of any of their meetings. Won't be won't be tasked for once one. since right. since the Bengals since were week one. For the team. Yeah. Yes. Now again, whether it's rusty or whether it's a slower T.J. Watt, I don't think it matters. If he's out there, that can allow so many other guys on this team, even off even the off ball linebackers like Miles Jack and Devin Bush, to get into the in, into the backfield and disrupt that pocket. I hope Miles Jack plays too. Yeah. Showed up on the injury report, mm-hmm. opened up the bye week on the injury report, which is never a good thing, I don't think. You know, once you've had that kind of a long rest period, you, and then you, come you don't back, like seeing yeah. that you still have to report it. But I think also, and I always look at, like, at injury reports like this, a little silver lining there, you have to report everything to the sure. NFL. Like any little like, hey, my arm feels a little funny today. Oh, put them on the injury mm-hmm. report because you don't want them to come back around and nick you for a draft pick mm-hmm. or get you for a fine. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So it's better safe than sorry in that. Yeah, so, for sure. Look at that in that little silver lining. You know, guys come back from the bye week and they report, eh, my knee still hurts a little bit. Eh, you know, put him on the injury report. Hopefully we get him back. Hopefully Ogan Joby can play because right. that dude, you want to talk about guys, and we should do an episode about this, you know, in the coming weeks or towards the end of the season, guys that are playing themselves into a second contract. I know they've already put a lot of money in that defense, but I think that's a dude that you definitely should invest into your future because I know he got hurt again, 
But I think this was a little bit more of a minor injury. Hopefully mm-hmm. he only misses the one or two games here. And I know he's had injury problems that kept him out of that big contract in Chicago. But, man, I think that dude is a is a difference maker. And I think you really saw that more so than any other game in that Tampa game. He was right. magnificent. Well, he got a sack in that game, yeah, yeah. a couple tackles for Disrupted loss. everything. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a guy that can kind of help Cam Hayward age gracefully. That's, I think, the biggest point is the biggest factor that goes into it is you saw how the Steelers' offensive line transitioned away from the era of David DeCastro, yes. Ramon Foster, Marquise Pouncey. Yes. You do not want that same rusty transition once Cam Hayward hangs him up. Because I know. if you if you don't re-sign Larry O, you're left with, um, let's think about it, Montrevious Adams, Chris Wormley, and... Not uh, Alu he's done. Yeah. I, I think he's done with the NFL, and he, he had a really good career. Played into his 30s, was a first-round pick, and serviceable for the Steelers, but... It's just this is a year where you see the bottom kind of fall out for a guy like that. And maybe he plays, you know, somewhere else as like a nice piece to come in position or in a specific role, you know, give you like 10 downs a game, ride that out into the sunset. But I think that's a guy that you talk about didn't deserve to come back. It's it's probably him. And I think the two guys you named have definitely seen themselves as a number three, maybe with mm -hmm. Wormley, maybe a number four is more appropriate as far as they're concerned. So. But you got to. I just listen. You got to build guys. in the trenches. I, I got. Mean, I got. I listen. Two guys there, that are starters when fringe starters. Yes. When your number one guy needs a break every now and again. Yes. And I agree. So I think the greatest point is make that transition for you a lot easier than you did when the offensive line had to go through that transition on its own. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. So even though that we know we're a little up in the air with Hogan Joby, a little up in the air with Miles Jack right now, mm-hmm. I still firmly believe that the defense with Watts' return and you know Mink and Cam getting a nice break, everybody else kind of getting a little healthier, great timing to bring in a new piece of your secondary with William Jackson. He ended up on the injury report too. Hopefully, again, a little bit of that right. silver lining situation. However, he had a long time to learn as much as he could, and his best strength has been man-to-man. So, I mean, how mm-hmm. hard is it to just be like, hey, go take him and play man-to-man coverage for most of the game, you know? So, exciting to see what he can do. I'm not worried about the defense in this game. I think they're going to do enough to beat the Saints. Well, no, I think also, too. It's the offense, though. Yes. Uh, you... <sighs> Returning to the the beginning discussion that we had to open this episode about the the line for the game, where the Saints are are currently favored on on a Wednesday before uh, about a couple of days before this game kicks off, 
I think it has a lot to do with the offense. I think, if not everything, to do with the Pittsburgh offense because week after week after week after week, really ever since that Jets game, this offense has shown little to no signs of life. And you could say, well, well, they put up against they put up twenty points against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's a pretty good defense. Okay, uh, <laughs> twenty points. I mean, your defense. the The story of that day was not the offense standing up. Sure, uh, Mitch Trubisky came in in relief of Kenny Pickett, and that was a story in itself. But it took you all the way into the fourth quarter the second-to-last drive of the day to get that touchdown that you really were looking for ever since the first quarter because, let's not forget, that that game opened up really well, right? Kenny led a drive that was about seven or eight plays, about five-ish minutes. This isn't like one of those 13, 14-yard play, play drives that everyone criticizes Pittsburgh for having because you can't. They have no splash plays, uh, and it takes up – almost 10 minutes of game time. No, this was about six or seven plays, eight plays maybe, uh, a, a little more efficient than normal drives were, and they put up points on the board. So you were looking for something like that all day long since the very first drive of that game, and it took you all the way into the fourth quarter and a second quarterback to get you those points. Uh, so <clears throat> other than that Tampa game, though, since, since the Jets game, since Kenny came in relief of Mitch Trubisky in that second half, there's been really such little to be confident about from the offense given what you've seen out of them in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and that's why you've had so much time now to at least cook some things up. I know players had to go home, so it's not like you were practicing every single game or every single day over the bye week, but don't you think that you had some time for some self-contemplation mm-hmm. and looking in the mirror and being like, we got to really come out swinging. We got to do something different or at least try to emphasize different pieces of our offense that we hadn't been before to try to have that, as Tomlin put it when Kenny came in with the switch, spark. Yeah. But like you said, it needs to be more than a spark. Sure. Sparks aren't sustainable. They happen and they're gone. You need that flame to burn bright. Like, it needs to be a bigger spark. Right. And by that, I mean it needs to be a more efficient, a more, I think, offense that – let's look at what you do well. You do well by stringing together one or two drives a game where you go like 14, 15 plays. You probably average 10 points on those drives. You get a field goal one time because you stall out eventually, and then on the one, you get in the end zone. So you can do that, but you need to find some things where you can get the drives that you go four plays and you get points. You go three plays Mm -hmm. and you score a touchdown. It's about the home run ball now. It's about letting the ball kind of rip downfield. Don't make Kenny be perfect 15 straight times in six minutes to get points on the board. Or just to get a field goal even. Get it a little – make it a little bit easier for him, you know. Get George Pickens involved in the middle of the field. Get Frymuth involved a lot, although the Saints are really good against tight ends. But still, as far as the rest of the season is concerned, you know, you just want to see signs of life coming out of this bye week and that – there was some fruit grown on the tree yeah. of extended time and reflecting on what happened in the first half of the season, what you can fix, <clears throat> what you can accentuate that worked, and then go into the second half of the season and really do that well. No, I, I agree. It's just, And I think, too, it's, it's something that you and I discussed uh, earlier this week when we were discussing the Chase Claypool trade with Chicago. It's that, okay, not to say that Kenny needs it to be oversimplified for him, but 
maybe now that playbook does become a little more easier to manage, right? You don't have five different guys who are 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 worthy of demanding that football, right? Because, I mean, maybe not <clears throat> in their careers they've done it enough to really demand the football. Najee Harris, based off of his rookie year last year, Deontay Johnson with an all-pro uh, caliber season in his rookie year and, and has done a great job of becoming that de facto number one for the Steelers receiving core. Pat Fryermuth, uh, we know, is is going to be uh, a huge part of this offense moving forward, not just for the rest of this season, but for many years to come. And George Pickens, who many people are still saying has that potential to be a number one guy. It's just the Steelers have to give him the ball more. And maybe now with Chase Claypool gone, that happens. And I agree with you. Yeah, you don't get the time to practice with your teammates, but the coaching staff has a lot of time, or or had a lot of time rather, to maybe change things up. If they were gonna, if there was ever a time to do it, the bye week with an entire extra seven days to rethink things, and with a significant player gone, it, this could have been a very useful time for that coaching staff to maybe rethink some some strategies on offense. Do you think the offense scores more than twenty three points? Oh, I'm gonna. Say, I have to say no. I might. I might say no. Well, on our next episode, we'll talk a lot more about the Saints, and I'll tell you just how many points the defense yields per game. Yeah. Maybe you'll feel a little bit better. Okay. Maybe you'll feel a Maybe. little bit more optimistic. You know what opens tomorrow, though. I do know what opens tomorrow. This is Wednesday. That... Let's identify the days first. It's right. So tomorrow, which is Thursday. The Steelers uh, Hall of Honor Museum opens. The Hall of Honor Museum is going to open. It's located in Akershore Stadium. Uh, if you weren't there for any iconic moments that shape Pittsburgh Steelers history, you should be there at the Hall of Honor Museum. Be mm-hmm. one of the first to relive Steelers history, and you can book your tour at Steelers.com slash museum. Go there right now and do it. You got the tours opening up after the thing gets the ribbon cut ceremony tomorrow. It's going to be a beautiful thing. And let's be honest, there probably isn't a franchise in the history of this sport that has more iconic moments in the <laughs> you Pittsburgh can count Steelers. them on one hand that's for sure if not it not if also included the most iconic moment in the entire history of sport in fact of you, the sport. you can count them on one hand and you'd have to chop off a couple fingers right. on that hand right because you're right uh, I, like you can't really do a museum yet with some younger franchises no. you know Panthers have a really lot of franchises built really, up that history yeah. yet Steelers absolutely check all those boxes. There will be interactive exhibits, include videos, music, calls to learn about each moment and player, uh, the historic archives where you can view all the six championship rings, artifacts, game-worn uniforms. That's going to be sick to look at from those glory years in the 70s and, of course, the Big Ben era of winning Super Bowl rings. Uh, The hours of operation, Hall of Honor will be open to the public Wednesday through Monday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. The last tour of the day will be at 3 p.m., and days and hours, of course, are subject to change. It all benefits the Art Rooney Scholarship Fund, so it goes to a good cause. Again, go to Steelers.com slash museum to book your tour now. We're going to get into the Saints a lot more in our next episode. New Orleans is coming to town. Steelers need to get a win in their pocket coming out of the bye week. We'll kind of start touching on how they can do it next. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Opperman. You're listening to the Steelers Standard. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 
You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.